This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Take with the mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's very good, Bryce. There's some exciting news in the Equity Mates world. What's that? I've moved back to Sydney, and yeah. we're in a proper studio. Yeah. I've got some news for you too, Ren. I'm actually moving to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a one and only studio time. The, enjoy this. This is the one episode of good audio quality. <laughs> no jokes. Uh, I wouldn't do that. So yeah, it's very exciting to have you back in Sydney. Welcome home. The days of our poor audio audio quality are over. Fingers crossed. You can bank on that. Fingers crossed. Don't, <laughs> call no us, guarantees. Call Come us on. out if, if it slips. <laughs> it's good to have you back here. Now we can really focus on hanging out together. Yeah. <laughs> Playing some golf. <laughs> yeah. So you were up here for the Sydney show, which was good. We didn't have to dial you in. And what a show it was. Yeah, it was It was unreal. I'm sure a lot of people, well, I'm sure a lot of people were there because I, I was there. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> you know how many were but there. I'm sure the people that weren't there have probably seen it on our social media. Yes. Uh, but it was unreal, both the Melbourne and the Sydney live show. Yeah. Definitely makes me want to do more of them. Big time. Regrettably, we couldn't record either of them, so apologies, but I guess that's half the idea of uh, having a yeah, live show. Exclusive. So, yeah, exclusive. <laughs> so if you missed out, we will cover some of the, the concepts and themes that we discussed as over the next sort of couple of weeks. But a big thank you to all of our um, Equity Mates fans and supporters and, and listeners who, who did come along. You know, we couldn't have had such successful shows without you guys. So massive thank you. Sold out houses in both Melbourne and Sydney. So it was awesome. A lot of fun. And it kind of is, is a good lead into our episode today, Ren. Well, Bryce's head barely fit through the door this morning because at our Melbourne Live show, one of our panellists, Teddy Richards, dubbed him the best voice in podcasting <laughs> and he Get hasn't let it. anyone forget it ever since. <laughs> entirely not true. But look, I will take it. Not that it actually means anything, I don't think. What right, can, that's what, why what, people <laughs> listen. <what> can, <laughs> wow. People don't actually care about stocks. They just put, this, put your voice on when they go to sleep. That is so freaky, but anyway. <laughs> one of the... The themes that we discussed at the Sydney show that I was somewhat surprised, you know, about how strong this theme sort of carried across was leverage. Ren, two of our panelists were were very clear in their in their view on leverage and and what it means, particularly for investors of our age and sort of start and beginning of our journey in investing. So we thought, well, we had a, a couple of people come up after the show as well, wanting us to explore the concept of leverage further, something that you and I have been talking about offline for a bit. You know, we've been debating it here and there, and I think some of our mates are also keen on the idea. So we thought we'd unpack it a bit today and just really understand what leverage is, you know, why why someone might leverage themselves, 
go through some of the pros and cons and perhaps some ways in which you can leverage yourself. There's a few products out there at the moment that allow you to leverage in different ways. So that's what we're all about today, Ren. Yeah, I can't wait. If I'm honest, it's something that we've spoken about, but I've never really thought seriously about. Mm. But after our live show and after preparing for this episode, it's now definitely on my radar. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, the show was a real trigger point for me. And if you look at the environment that we're in at the moment with very low interest rates and you know, money is cheap to borrow, you know, it might make sense. But I think the big caveat at the start of this episode, Ren, is that we are talking about financial products here and we in by no means is this a recommendation and or, or advice, but certainly consider your own situation and, and talk to someone when we discuss debt. <laughs> <laughs> when we discuss anything. So yeah. look, without further ado, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. Let's start with a definition. So do you want to tell us what leverage is? Leverage, to me, Ren, I'm sure you might have a different opinion, but it's just an investment strategy. We shouldn't have differences of opinions <laughs> over our <laughs> definition. This is very true. Leverage is an investment strategy where you use borrow money to essentially um, increase your potential return and increase the, the exposure that you can get to an asset. A classic example that I'm sure everyone would know about would be taking out a mortgage. That is a form of leveraging yourself. You're putting in a deposit amount, that is your equity, and then you borrow a larger amount to then go and buy that house. So that's simply leverage. Do you have anything to add? No, that's it. It's uh, it's all about borrowing money using other people's money to get a higher return. Mm. So to give a really well, mortgages is a good example. You have you know ten percent of the money, and you borrow the bank's money for the other ninety percent, and then you expect to make money on your house yeah. or you live in it. But in an investing context, you know, if you if you have a hundred dollars and you put buy a share and it goes up ten percent you've made 10 bucks. Pretty pretty straightforward. If you take your $100 and also borrow $100 from the bank and buy that same share and it goes up 10%, well, you've put $200 on and you've made 20 bucks, 10%, and you pay the bank back, it's $100 that it gave you, and you've you've got that $20 left over as profit. Yeah. So it's just a way of increasing your financial returns. Yes. That's probably why well, that is why people leverage themselves. If you you might have heard the terminology, you know, they're highly leveraged. So that's an indication that someone has a high level of debt to their equity. So in your example, Ren, if someone's highly leveraged, they might have $500 portfolio value, 400 of which might be borrowed from the bank or a broker. So they're, they're pretty highly leveraged there. Just to your point there, Ren, in terms of maximizing returns, we will probably deep dive into some risks later, but it's important to point out from the start that it does go the other way yep. and leveraging yourself can maximize your losses as well. So to your point, if you had $100 in and it went down 10%, you'd be losing 10 bucks. But if you borrowed to put in 200 in total, you'd be losing 20 bucks. Yeah. The, the reason for that is you and the bank don't split the the loss equally. No. You both put, put in 100 bucks, but you've got to give the bank its full $100 back. So if the trade lost $20, you wear that $20 loss. Absolutely. Yeah. You also hear the term leverage talked about in the context of companies. Mm. It's the same principle, really. You know, companies take out debt to then invest in their business. You know, a company takes on debt to build a factory to then, you know, sell stuff. They're highly levered as well. The, the principle is the same. So you'll hear it used in the context of individual investors, which is what we're going to talk about today. And you'll also hear about it in the context of companies borrowing money to invest in their business operations. 
principles are the same. It's all about using other people's money to juicy returns. So speaking of context, let's just quickly discuss what Elon and, and Julia and also Henry were both all talking about at the show, because this is why why we're talking about it. They made mention of the fact that leveraging yourself is a, is a great way of boosting your returns over a long period of time, particularly at the millennial age, because time is on your side. Now, they didn't speak about it in terms of short-term sort of let's take out loans and try and get quick wins. They were very much saying it in in line of leveraging now and having that very long-term perspective is a good way to maximize your returns. So that's sort of the context at which we're coming at this from. Yeah, 100%, 100%. All right, so we've introduced the definition and we've given some basic examples. Now, the thing with leverage is it's a broad term and there's actually a number of different types of leverage, I guess. There's a number of different ways you can take other people's money and spend it. Yes. So should we break down some of those different ways? Why not? I'm sure everyone's sitting on the edge of their seats (laughs) (laughs) waiting. So there's, in my mind, Ren, there's internal leverage and external leverage. Do you want to start with defining what those are? Sure. So internally leveraged is where the leverage is within the product itself. So the easiest example, and I'm sure a lot of people are aware of the ETFs that you can get these days. One classic example is SQQQ. I've been talking about it a bit that you can buy through stake. They essentially are leveraged within the product. So that ETF itself, the way that it's managed, it is internally leveraged. You you don't actually have to go and take out any debt and leverage yourself. Then there's also options and warrants and the like as well that offer internal leverage opportunities. The flip side is external leveraging, Ren, and that's where you go out and take out products like margin loans or new to market now is the NAB equity builder, and that's where you take on the leverage yourself rather than the, the product and you use that leverage to go and buy stocks and, and whatnot. So that's two ways you can look at it. So let's start with the ETF side of things. Do you have any leveraged ETFs? I don't, and I actually am going to be pretty negative on them. So sure. um, we'll start with... You know, you sort of define them there, but yeah, they're essentially, we can buy ETFs that track an index. Uh, The ASX 200 is the most tracked index in Australia, and we can buy an ETF that just tracks it. But you can also buy an ETF that every time the ASX 200 goes up one point, the ETF goes up two points. So in a nutshell, that's it. The flip side is also true. If it goes down one, it'll go down two. Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. There's some examples two American ones, SQQQ. It's an ultra short. So you're actually shorting the market on that one. And then the flip side is the QQQ, which is the ultra long and they're both leveraged products. So multiply, I think it's three times leveraged. Yeah. Beta shares have a couple of, they've got ASX code gear, which is the Australian leverage yep. and then ASX code GGUS. Yes. Which is the US one. Yeah, nice, friend. So I'm interested to unpack a bit why you're negative on them. Yes. So, <laughs> that didn't say <stir>. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So the overview is these products aren't made to track an index long term. Mm-hmm. They're made to reflect day-to-day changes. Yeah. So if one day the ASX goes up 1%, you can be relatively confident that these ETFs will go up you know, if it's double levered, it will go up 2%. If it's triple levered, it will go up 3%. So day to day, you're pretty okay. And the, and the reason for that, well, if you think about what is underlying the ETF, what you're actually investing in, it's not like beta shares or Vanguard 
have gone to and got a bank loan or a margin loan and then are just investing in your traditional levered fashion. What they're using is a number of derivative products to try and reflect the performance of the index that it's tracking or trying to, you know, double or triple or whatever. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What that means is that over the long term, you find that a lot of these products don't properly track the index. So whilst in a day, if it moves 1%, you might get the expected double or triple or whatever it should be, over six months, over six years, over 60 years, if a market's up, say, 400% over 60 years and you've got a double levered product, you're not going to be up 800%. They just don't track that way. There's a lot of things that go into it. I guess from a very straightforward perspective, let's take our $100 that we invested And let's say uh, no leverage, it went up 10% in one day. And then, so it made $10 in one day and then it lost $10 the next day. So it goes up to $110, back down to $100. From a percentage standpoint, that's up 10%, down 9% thereabouts. With a levered product, day to day, you can track that. So double levered, day one, it went up 10%. So you expect it to go up 20%. Day two, it went down about 9%, so you expect it to go down 18%. You don't hit zero, you don't hit 100 there, you're actually hit about $98.5. And so there's just this tracking error that happens over time as it slips from the index that it's tracking. So that's a convoluted way of saying they're not designed for long term performance. Yeah. Now, the horror story of ETF, leveraged ETF or synthetic ETF, was the in 2008 in the JFC, the Dow Jones Real Estate Investment Trust Index fell about 40%. And this was in the midst of the um, you know, mortgage crisis and all that. And there was a double levered inverse ETF. So you expected to make money if the index fell and you expected to make double. And so if the index fell 40%, you would be thinking, sweet, I've made 80% of my money. Unfortunately, because of the way that the index tracked, the ETF actually lost 50% and it performed properly. Like It's not like there was an error in the way it was constructed and they screwed up. It's just the way it moves day to day because of the way they're designed. It lost 50%. It lost 50%, even though the index were lost 40% and investors expected to make money if yeah. the index went down. Yeah. That sounds, seems like an absolute flaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the product is designed for a certain yeah. circumstance. Short period. Yeah. 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 So that's why I'm a little bit negative, Nancy, on it. No, that's that's fair enough. But I think you're negative in the sense that it doesn't suit your style of investing. And I think you've made it clear that they are, they're not designed for that that long period of time. So if you you are looking just to make short gains, I guess then this is a way to make 
short gains using using leverage. But for you and I, with that sort of sixty year investing time horizon, uh, there's certainly better ways in which you can leverage yourself to probably reflect the index a lot better. Equity mine. Yeah, yeah. The other internally leveraged products, there's a bunch of derivatives, so contracts for different options, futures. I don't think we need to spend too much time on them, especially things like CFDs. Don't worry about them. They're not worth the time. They're just a quick way to lose a lot of money. Yeah, big time. There's a lot of CFD platforms out there at the moment, and you're right, Ren, they make a lot of money by people losing a lot of money. So certainly it's not on our radar at the moment. Don't think it will be for a while. So let's move on to externally leveraging yourself. Yes. So- Margin loans. Well, before we get to margin loans, investing on your credit card. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's external leverage. <laughs> it is, but why, that's silly. You know, that's you know ridiculous. The, um, it's almost impossible as well. The venture yeah. capitalist Chris Sarker, yeah. I'm pretty sure he made a bunch of money uh, using his credit card as leverage. Okay. Well, good for him. He's probably an anomaly. Now, but, why, uh, well, why is that stupid? Because you're paying an interest rate of 20%. Yeah. So. If let's assume, you know, flat interest rate, 20% on your credit card repayment and you invest in stocks that are returning 8% per year, well, you're already out of pocket 12% because you still have to pay interest on that. So it's just a really stupid way of of using that sort of debt to leverage yourself, credit cards in general. But So I think, well, coming from you, Mr. Credit Card Debt. <laughs> this is not... This is not true, Ren. <laughs> I think that's the really important principle that introduces the discussion around external leverage is that you have to pay interest on this loan like you do every loan. And so you've essentially got a built-in hurdle rate that you need to beat to justify it. Because the examples we used at the start where you borrowed $100 from the bank and you paid them back $100, that's not, that's not how it works. And with your credit card, if you're borrowing at 19%, that's your hurdle rate that you have to beat as an investor, either through the shares increasing in value or from the dividends that you're getting paid. Yeah. And so I think when you're thinking about external leverage, that's probably the important thing to talk about in the, you know, the variety of different ways that we talk about it. So then speaking of loans, Ren, one way that you can do it and probably the most traditional way that's been around for a very long period of time is the margin loan. Simply speaking, this is where you go to the bank and you borrow a sum of money and then you can go out and usually buy from a prescribed list of stocks, ETFs, LICs, fund managers, and you use the assets itself that you're investing in to secure that loan. You don't need like a mortgage. You probably need to prove other assets or income and and that sort of things. Yes, of course, you need to probably go through a few hurdles at the bank, but you're using the stocks that you buy as the security against that loan. Yeah. You're going to have to have some uh, assets that you own as well. Prove your income or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The security itself, just like a mortgage is is the house. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So the fundamental difference is that as your house price moves up and down, the bank can never force you to sell. No. Which is good. Means yes. they can't kick you out. But you could be losing money hand over fist. You could be, you know, owning a house in Detroit in two thousand and eight. But the bank can never force you to sell. With a margin loan, you have to have a certain, you know, percentage of 
assets that you actually own. It will depend on the loan, but I think a lot of them to begin with, the maximum they'll give you is double what you have in your account. So let's say you have $100 in your account and you borrow $100 and then the market goes south, they might either force you to sell some of the shares or they might force you to put more money into your account to keep that sort of 50%. Yeah. And this is called a margin call. So it's something that you really need to be aware of when you do take out a margin loan. So to Ren's point, a margin loan is where you say you want a portfolio of $50,000 and you want to buy A2 milk. You might put in $10,000 and borrow the remaining $40,000 and then you can use that to buy A2 milk. So the margin loan is sometimes a scary thing because it can happen very quickly if the stock drops in price and you will get literally a call from your broker or the bank to say, hey, you either need to sell your stocks or you're going to need to put extra money in to bring it back. So I just want to use an example, Ren. We might talk through one. Let's use A2 Milk. So I looked up Westpac's. It's called a LVR, which is your loan to value ratio. And it's 50% for if I want to buy A2 Milk. So what they're saying is you have to put in 50% of the total portfolio value. So I want to buy $50,000 of A2 Milk. I'm going to put in 30000 of my own money and borrow the remaining 20000 So that means I have 60% equity in there, which is above their requirement of 50%. However, two weeks later, the value of A2 Milk drops and my portfolio goes from 50000 to 35000 Because I borrowed 30000 it actually means my stake is now only worth 5000 but because I need to have 50, 000, uh, 50% of the total borrowed amount, I'm going to get a call to say, hey, mate, you need to come in and put an extra 12500 in to bring your equity in the total portfolio back to 50%. So if I don't have that 12500 I'm going to get absolutely roasted and have to sell the stock to cover that or I'm going to have to find that 12500 from somewhere else. So that's the risk that you run. Um, is having to always maintain that minimum loan to value ratio. Yeah. I got a bit lost in those numbers there, but I'll just back you that they were right. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I think the thing to remember is that with a margin loan, there is high risk that if things turn south, you're going to need to be in a position to either cover or accept the fact that you might have to sell your stocks. So... I think the question that naturally comes out of this is, one, are you considering leverage? And two, what kind? Well, we started the show saying that the trigger was our live show. And I think it certainly makes sense to consider leverage. There's a lot more research that I need to do, obviously look at my own financial position and think about it longer term. But it's very clear that it would be an external leverage that I would undertake. To your point, the ETFs are good for short-term stuff, but I want to have probably a bit more control as well over what I'm investing in, what I'm buying. And external leverage gives me the ability to do that. Yeah. I was looking at Canstar, the comparison website, and looking at some of the different options. I mean, As with everything these days, there's online-only companies that offer better rates. I I don't know how legitimate they are and obviously every loan loaner um, has their own terms and conditions and probably different rules about how much you can borrow and all that. But the interest rates were sort of – the lowest was about 4.7% and they went up to sort of 6-7% at some of the bigger banks. It's a achievable hurdle rate is the thing that really strikes me. Obviously, if the market as a whole collapses, 
you're probably in a bit of strife. But uh, like, if you're not getting four percent a year, yeah, like, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> there's a product out there that's pretty hot right now in this space. It's it's slightly different to the margin loan, and that's the NAB Equity Builder. I don't know if you've looked into it, but we did discuss yeah, we it discussed very it, briefly. And then yeah. someone came back at us over email, and <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand how it wasn't that different from a margin loan to begin with. Well, so the margin, you're not going to get a margin call on this one. Okay. You have principal. So a margin loan, you're paying interest. Your NAB equity builder is a principal and interest repayment from between three and 10 years, and you're not going to get a margin call. Okay. That's pretty good. So yeah. it's more, it's built like a mortgage instead. It's essentially, exactly. Almost okay. like a line of credit. Oh, okay. That makes much sense. Yeah. So you essentially can take out this loan, invest in, there's a list of ETFs and fund managers off market, which is interesting. But I guess, isn't part of the, uh, it's a different product, but isn't part of the beauty of a margin loan that you don't have to pay back the principal? Because doesn't that eat into your returns if you're forced to pay back some of the principal if you're using the margin loan as you are meant to and making money? It's a good question. I mean, theoretically, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But the good thing is that this one at the moment is 4.3%. Sorry, it's the current rate is 6.3% interest. However, they have this thing called a special rate, which seems they apply to every loan, which gives you a 2% reduction. So it actually brings it down to 4.3%. I don't know why they do that, but anyway. So you can currently get one at 4.3%. Hypothetically, if you were to buy ANZ or Westpac or some of the banks that are paying dividend yields of 6.5%, then you're in, you're, you can see how the, the dividend payments are going to cover your interest repayment. Hold on, but this, this gets to the question that I was asking before. Now, don't get me wrong. It actually it sounds like a great product for certain investors out there. It's definitely something that I want to look at. But with a margin loan, if it was a 4% interest rate and you had a dividend paying stock that was paying 6%, then you've definitely covered the the interest payments. But with this NAB equity builder, you're not just paying the 4% interest back a year because you're also paying back some of the principal. So you might actually have to pay like, I don't know, how much of the principal you have to pay back. Yeah, like, you'd need to consider If it's over that. 10 years, then you're paying, what, 10% back a year Well, of the loan plus the interest? Is that... I, have no, I haven't gone into that level of detail, but essentially you're actually, you're just buying more equity and your equity in the loan becomes obviously more and more as time goes on. It makes it, it definitely makes sense for people that have a consistent salary coming through because you're basically just front-ending your investment and yeah, then using time. your cash flow from your salary to pay it back. Big time. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. And from what I've read as well, it acts in some way as a, a line of credit in that if you don't have to invest it all at once and so you're only paying interest on what has been invested... Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on forums out there at the moment. Whirlpool, Reddit has a lot of stuff because it's one of those products that's new to market. And I'm sure there's some hidden things in the PDS statement and whatnot. But with that, it, it, it's certainly appealing in the sense of not having to get that margin call and say you owe X amount of dollars yeah, because your yeah, stock yeah. has fallen. However, the, the, the difference that I also see is that they don't offer any ability to invest directly in single companies. It's all ETFs, LICs, and fund managers off-market as well, which really? is pretty interesting. Yeah. Which, look, for a long-term perspective, if you want to track an index, is great. But if you're looking to 
take out a leverage and, and get into A2 Milk or, or an individual company, then you, you probably have to look at somewhere else. Now, there's one other thing that with both the NAB Equity Builder and Margin Loans that's uh, worth mentioning, which is that interest payments are tax deductible. Yes. So there's a tax benefit from this leverage as well, which is nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So factor that into your calculations. And to that point as well, Ren, there's a couple of just sort of simple things to think about more broadly when you're doing margin loans or any sort of leverage. Certainly borrow conservatively, don't go nuts. And what's Ted Richards talk about? The Dunning-Kruger effect where you think you're really better than you actually are, you know, taking out more than you can pay back or more than, you know, you're able to control is dangerous. So borrow conservatively. Keep obviously diversifying when you do this sort of stuff, the more diversified you are. Better in some instances, obviously keep track of your payments of interest and stuff. You know, falling behind in that can isn't great. And if you are in a margin loan, keep a close eye on your LVR, your loan to value ratio. If you are getting close to that maintenance level, think about how you might need to get some cash ready in case your stock does fall in price and you need to cover that minimum requirement from the bank. So just a couple of things to think about. And also, Ren, to your point, I guess shop around for a rate. Like at the end of the day, a lot of these products are are very similar and we're all about fees. So keeping it as low as possible, your interest rate as low as possible is probably one of the best things you can do to start. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. It's definitely something that I am now considering. Nice, Ren. Well, good exploration, you know, overall view of, of leverage. Pretty interesting, something we haven't really discussed about on the show, but, you know, it's a pretty hot topic at, uh, at the show in Sydney and a couple of our listeners asked about it. So hopefully we've been able to answer some of their questions and we'll keep everyone updated on our journey as we look into this a bit further and uh, consider how it could help our sort of longer term you know, we're not really in the position to be buying houses at this stage, but this is a good alternative, I think, to start building some longer term wealth. Before we go, Ren, do you want to give a shout to your merchandise? Oh, um, you can't say it's my merchandise. <laughs> our merchandise idea. We have haven't, we've had one person. We've had one person. Yeah. Um, uh, look, if you want some Equity Mates merch that you saw us wearing at our live shows, they're also on Instagram and Facebook if oh, you want to check go, them there out. there you go. Yeah. We want you guys to spread the love about equity, mates. We want you to uh, let other people know about it. And if you do something, if you hang a sign from a bridge, get an equity, mates tattoo, whatever it is, walk down the streets with a boombox playing the theme song over and over again, <laughs> um, send, a, send us proof on Facebook or Instagram or email it to us, contact at equitymates.com yeah. and we'll uh, send you some merch. That's it, Ren. Now, we all always like to give a bit of a shout out to some reviews that have come in as well. We had one come in. It's from a guy or a girl in the States, hard to tell based on the name. So whoever it is, great chat and information. They're a newcomer to investing and they reckon we're a lot of fun to listen to. And this uh, listener absorbs a lot of the advice that we give. So keep up the great work, guys. Really appreciate that comment and uh, keep the reviews coming in. We will read them out if there are. They can be about anything, Ren going bald or whatever it may be. So give us a shout. Follow us on Instagram and and Facebook as well if you're not. There's an awesome discussion group going on um, with a lot of conversations. So head over to an Equity Mates discussion group on Facebook. But other than that, Ren, we'll leave it there. Always good to chat stocks and markets and very much looking forward to our Thursday episode. Sounds good. Equity Mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. 
This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 